God bless all of you here tonight. It's been a blessing to be here already. I enjoyed those songs. Uh, various phrases that were found there that ministered to my heart. And uh, I'd like to say thank you for the invitation to come. And I trust that God will be able to use this time together for our benefit. I'm going to be turning to James chapter 3 for a passage of scripture. Uh, my subject this, this evening is the wisdom from above. <clears throat> and uh, the letter of James is one of my favorites, I guess you would say. <clears throat> James has such a refreshing simple, and yet profound way of speaking to us. It's not quite like the book of Romans. Uh, Romans also has blessing for us, and Ephesians, and others, but James is written in a different manner. And uh, I appreciate it. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be looking at verses 13 through 18. And the text begins with a live question. A question that was fitting in his day and a question that is fitting for us today. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Now, if I were to ask that question, I don't know if there would be anyone that would raise their hand and say, well, I am. I'm assuming that it probably wouldn't happen. And uh, with good reason. But I, I hope that tonight that our assembly here together represents some true wisdom. Wisdom from above. I believe that it does. Obviously, there's a good bit of experience that is represented here this evening. I don't know who is the oldest here. Uh, hmm, maybe it's Brother Jake, I don't know, or maybe it's Brother Dan, or maybe it's Brother Leroy, I don't know. Oh, I hope it's not me, but um, I suppose uh, I might be at least classed as one of the older people. That's all right. There's a lot of experience represented here this evening, a great deal of knowledge that has been accumulated, but neither knowledge nor experience guarantee wisdom. The question from the Scripture remains, who is wise and understanding? And consider that he was not writing to the heathen, but to the professing people of God. So it's a question for God's people to think about. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Now this subject has much to do with practical living, and especially as we think about relationships. Wisdom alone is not a glory object. Wisdom by itself is not a glory object, or an object to glory in. But to know Jesus Christ, to fellowship with Him, now that is life. It's real life. And it is something to glory about. Reading now from James chapter 3. In the prior part of the chapter, he has been speaking about the tongue. 
And now, in verse 13, Who is a wise man among you, and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now that word conversation is used in an old English manner. It's not speaking about conversation, not talking about verbal expression alone, but it is speaking about a way of life. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, as we think about this subject, the wisdom that is from above, we know that the Bible speaks about wisdom in various places. And I like to look at a number of verses that speak of wisdom. Proverbs 2, verse 6. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Now, for whatever wisdom we have, if we could measure the sum total of it, know this, that this wisdom did not originate with us. But it is the Lord who gives wisdom. And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. That's why it is important and it is good for us to be well acquainted with this word. It is the book, not a book, but the book of wisdom. This is God's way. We are not the source of wisdom, but we are given wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. This is the basis for humility. Now, there's something about the accumulation of knowledge that has a way to lift up a person. I think it says something like that in 1 Corinthians, that knowledge puffeth up, but true wisdom does not puff up. True wisdom is connected with humility. More on that later. And the basis for humility is, in wisdom, is we find this in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what hast thou that thou didn't receive? Think about that. What do we have that we were not given? Oh, we might say, well, you know, I was able by my, by my uh, <clears throat> good management and by my uh, uh, good decisions, I was able to accumulate this and this and this and this, and, and we were able to do this successfully and all that. But who has given us that ability? What do we have that we were not given? Think about it. True wisdom comes from the Lord. From his mouth comes true wisdom. To read, to meditate, to heed the word, to put it into practice in all areas of life in reverence to God is to walk in the path of wisdom. 
Here's the second passage of Scripture referring to wisdom. This is found in Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. Now that kind of sounds like Proverbs, doesn't it? But this is found in Psalm. Psalm 111. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. We begin in wisdom by a reverence and respect for God. The beginning of wisdom is not education or study or learning facts, but in a right response to God. And this wisdom from above, as I said earlier, is not puffed up or full of self. This wisdom, the focus is off of ourselves and on to God. Now, there's many intelligent people in the world today. We know that. And uh, there are people that I have heard of or met that I perceive are far more able than what I am. They're able to do things and they're able to express things and say things and think through things beyond my capability. But it is not our abilities that determine whether we're wise. And, and this is an extremely important point, that it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. Jesus said that there are two ways. He said there are two groups of people. He said there are two destinations. He didn't say there were several or there are various, but there are two. There are two entries. There is the narrow gate and there's the broad way. Entering in the narrow gate onto the narrow path which leads to life, this is the beginning of wisdom. And the natural person would wonder why anyone would take the narrow way. Well, the truth is that we can't understand the narrow way while we're on the broad way. It can't be understood. And Jesus said some things that are so, so extremely different than the way we think they are so other. Jesus said we win by losing. He said we gain by giving, by giving up. And we live by dying. Now naturally, people do not understand that. The natural inclination of a course is to hold on to myself. And to keep myself from dying. Jesus said in John 12 verse 24, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and what? Die. It abideth what? Alone. You see, there's something that is worse than dying. To be alone is worse than dying. It is better to die than to be alone. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we look into these things that Jesus has been saying, and though we can't figure out how all these things are, and we don't reason them out in our own natural mind, but we hear the call of the Spirit, and we say yes. That is a wise person indeed. Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bring forth much fruit. That's speaking about life. Fruit bearing speaks about life. A dead plant can't bring forth fruit. But a dead seed, a dying seed, and new life springs forth. Praise God. Now, Proverbs 3, verse 13 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. How joyful is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. Everybody wants to be happy, of course. Everyone wants to be glad, and to have a satisfying life. And we know that life is not all sunshine. We who are older know that. And some of us who are younger know that as well. That life is not all sunshine. But it includes sorrow and grief and pain. And yet this verse gives us a promise. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. There's a blessing in finding wisdom. Now Job, in Job 32, in verse 9, we have this word of wisdom. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. Now this was spoken, these words were spoken by a younger man. And they are a reminder to us that age and wisdom are not one and the same. In fact, it seems to me tragic that there is something like age but foolishness mixed together. Just because someone is older doesn't mean that they're wise. And just because someone is young doesn't mean they're foolish. But then doesn't mean they're wise either necessarily. It depends on the choices that we make. Now, coming back to what James is saying here and raising this question, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. The test of wisdom is not in how much we know. <laughs> Sometimes it might feel that way. There are some people we can talk to and they just know more than we do. And there is somewhat of a superiority because of it. Oh, you know this? Well, I, I mean, I knew that a long time ago. Or, you know, this is the latest. And this is the updated version of what you're trying to say. There's something that feels <laughs> like, <laughs> I think you understand, <laughs> doesn't feel real good. But the test of wisdom is not how much we know, or neither is it how well we speak. But it is in how we live, which includes words, actions, and attitudes. 
Now I perceive that in this matter of words, action, and attitudes, sometimes people will say something like this. Well, I just got to learn to keep my big mouth shut. If I would learn to just keep quiet, I'm just, I'm not going to say anything. I just won't say anything. Well, there may be a bit of wisdom to that, but the tendency is that we try to fix our actions and our words and overlook our attitudes. And it is from our attitudes that these other things spring from. The test of wisdom is not how much we know, how well we can speak, and but in how we live, which includes words, a- actions, and attitudes. Many people have great knowledge, but are not wise. Others are very wise and yet relatively uneducated. Wisdom is knowledge that is applied in the right way. Now, this way of life, as James writes about it further, and I want to speak yet further on it, this way of life is characterized by meekness and gentleness, not arrogance, superiority, or a know-it-all spirit. Now, there's a great deal to learn in this. And we aim to have the, to, to, for the truth. And sometimes we tend to approach the truth that as long as I have the truth, that's all that matters. And so, we approach others, and it doesn't matter because this is the truth. We approach others in a way that is very difficult for them to hear. Wisdom is not only concerned about the truth, but it is concerned as well about my attitude in the way I present the truth. Wisdom is more than mere knowledge or intellectual ability. It is more than being able to articulate a matter with smoothness. It is more than educational training. Notice the connection that meekness has with wisdom. The wisdom that is from above is connected with meekness, meaning gentleness and humility. We enter into this wisdom through the fear of the Lord. Well, James also, after raising this question, he reminds us that there is another kind of wisdom. And he speaks about it in the next several verses. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. The other wisdom shows the condition of the heart. Wisdom is so much more than collected facts and being able to speak about them well. But the presence of of bitter envy and strife is a clear indicator of earthly wisdom. And even when the truth is promoted with an attitude of strife and envy, 
It doesn't come out right. The English Standard Version says, Bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Jealousy is the root cause of much evil. I don't think in our churches that it has been often that I've heard somebody to confess. Make confession. We may hear confessions like this. Well, I have not been keeping up my Bible reading and prayer. Or we may say, um, I'm sorry that I spoke unkindly. Or we might hear something like, um, you know, my attitude wasn't real great. I've had some ill feelings. Or I've struggled with unforgiveness. But seldom have I heard someone say, brothers and sisters, I'm sorry, I have been jealous. I have been envious. Jealousy is one of those root evils that leads to so many other evils. And it is easy for us to try to pick off the fruit that the root of jealousy brings. And so it looks better and we confess because my action hasn't been quite right without dealing with this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Jealousy is the root of root cause of much evil. It is clear evidence. Listen to this. Jealousy is the root cause of much evil. It is clear evidence of a twisted view of God, myself, and others. When there's jealousy in our hearts, it is evidence that our view of God and myself and others is not clear. Inner conflict, unresolved relationship issues, and unforgiving spirit touching us are not the heart conditions for the wisdom that comes from above. And we do well to consider how this is in our own lives. How how easy are we to approach when something is not quite right? Okay, well, you know, we're thinking in the church here. Okay, but let's let's look at it this way: at home, <laughs> ladies, don't answer. How easy is your husband to approach when there is something that is missing? Don't answer. Brothers, how easy is it to say something to your wife? That is a bit amiss. Now, this is where we live day after day. And by the way, it was just 45 years ago for my wife and I yesterday. So we do know each other a bit, don't we? <laughs> okay. So you know each other a bit. Now, the wisdom that is from above 
is a wisdom that is not touchy. And I have to admit, there have been times when my wife has said something to me that I have not always responded well. Sometimes maybe I have, but not always. Strife. James writes about this wisdom. That is the other wisdom. Strife. That's talking about contentions or rivalry. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride comes contention. Isn't that an amazing point of wisdom? Only by pride comes contentions. Contention. Yeah, I know, it's the pride in the other person. Out of a contentious and envious heart comes forth a different kind of wisdom. The question is not, how much do I know in my head, but how is my heart? Now, characteristics of this other wisdom, James calls it earthly, in contrast to the heavenly or above. It comes from a different source than from God. It's earthly, and it is sensual, meaning it's natural, it's unspiritual, not from God, but from that which is apart from God. It is the natural wisdom of the soul apart from God. And uh, he goes further, not only is it earthly and sensual, but he calls it devilish. Demonic in nature, according to the nature of Satan himself, who is a liar, deceptive, proud, and accusing. The other wisdom has its source from the enemy of God, and it was the appeal of hidden knowledge outside of what God had revealed that helped to lead Eve astray. The serpent said, For God doesn't know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. <clears throat> Eve considered the reasonableness of what she heard, and then, when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to, desire, to be desired to make one wise, she took. She ate and gave to her husband, and he took as well. The other wisdom, this promise of knowledge. We are curious, aren't we? What would it really be like if I could experience what those people are experiencing? You know, we're sitting here in church tonight. Think of all the much more exciting things that could be done than sitting here in church. Really? Like what? And so we look. Oh, yeah, we're sitting here. You know, obviously we're filling our spot right now, but let me ask you this question. What would you do if you really could do it? 
What would you really like to do? If it wouldn't cause any trouble, you know, okay, mom and dad or brothers in the church or the ministers or the teacher or whatever. Oh, you know, I get into trouble, so I won't do it. But what would you do if you really could do it? Eve had the opportunity to do what she wanted to do. And it made a lot of sense. And there's something here for us to experience that God has not shown us. So let's go do it. And she did. And she experienced it. And her eyes were opened. And there's been regret ever since. My brothers and sisters, it still works the same way today. Still works the same way today. Because the source of the other, quotes, wisdom is deceptive, proud, and accusing. Now, there's also fruit from the other wisdom. There's confusion and every evil work. Instead of peace, there is disorder. The Amplified Bible defines confusion as unrest, disharmony, and rebellion. Conflicts, strife, gossip, accusations, blaming, arrogance, it becomes exceeding difficult to hear the still small voice. Every evil work, James says, all sorts of evil and vile practices. So there is a fruit from the other wisdom. And a little bit ago, I had said that there are two ways. And... Uh, I was talking about the narrow way, but taking a look at the broad way, some people think the broad way would be the way to go if it just were not for the destination. Do you say that? I hope not. Because while the broad way is easy to enter, the longer we continue in the broad way, and this is true for the narrow way too, the longer we continue on the way, the more the way becomes like the destination. So while the broad way will accommodate all sorts of different things, And really has no requirements. And it seems like it's the easy way. Nevertheless, the broad way is marked by conflict. Conflict with other travelers. I'm telling you tonight that there is no peace there is no satisfaction. There is no life outside of the narrow way. There's no life. And the people who are on the broad way are only existing. They're only existing. Confusion in every evil work. Every evil work. All sorts of evil. How good it is that we are given the characteristics 
of the wisdom from above, and what a great contrast is shown. Now, James here, after he raised this question, who's a wise man? <coughs> he said, then let him show from his way of life works with meekness of wisdom. And he talks about the other wisdom. And he talks about the fruit of the other wisdom. But now, he describes the wisdom that is from above. Listen to what he says here. But the wisdom that is from above is first what? Pure. It's pure. It comes in pure from the start, and the final form is the same. It's not like obtaining gold or iron or even maple syrup. After boil maple syrup down, 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 down till finally it's at the right place or what we think to be the right place. Gold must be purified and refined. And finally we have something that we might uh, say is pure gold. Well, is it or isn't? I don't know, is it or not? But at least it's much more, it's, it's a better, in a better condition than when we began. Well, the wisdom that from above is pure right from the start. It is unmixed. It is not like my nasal salt packets. I, I have salt packets that I use distilled water to drain my nasal package, uh, passages. Uh, because I have tendencies to sinus issues. But these nasal salt packets, uh, there's something on there about, the, or the, the box that I buy them in, they say they are 99% or higher level of purity. So that, those are really pure, aren't, well, almost, you know. Now, this wisdom that is from above is unmixed. It is totally, completely, and absolutely pure in its form. Oh, I rejoice in that. It's, because, it's coming from a pure source. This wisdom that is from above is really what it is. It is not a clever imitation. I think in our kitchen, we have a place there where the spices are, including some something called vanilla. That's not exactly a spice. But I saw... On the bottle, it said imitation vanilla. Now, I don't understand how that is all done. But the, but the wisdom that is from above is not a clever Im imitation. It's not artificial or substitutionary. It is not compromised, nor indeed can it be. It is undefiled. It is first pure. It is just like the one it comes from. It smells like God. It tastes like God. It looks like God. It sounds like God. It feels like God. It is of God. It is really is God, for wisdom from above cannot be divorced from who He is and what He is working through us. I rejoice tonight that our Lord, I rejoice in the, the fact that our God is true, right, and good. And all that he does is true, right, and good. What, 
what rest and what satisfaction and what glory there is that we serve a God like this who offers us wisdom that is pure from the start. Well, it is first pure and then it is peaceable. That means it's peace-loving and it is peacemaking. The wisdom from above does not relish arguments, debates, or strife. There are some people that like a good argument. Well, okay. <laughs> Maybe uh, there, is a, there is a time for us to sharpen our thinking uh, in light of various viewpoints. I enjoy that kind of uh, intellectual stimulation. And yet, there's something about arguing. I'm not talking about arguments. I don't like arguments. Uh, and strife. I remember one time that a brother and I, well, there was an issue that was going on. This was in Kenya. There was an issue that was going on with a man from the States, not part of our mission, but he was there to do some work and to bring blessing and benefit for the Africans. And there was another African man, a neighbor of ours, an acquaintance of ours, who he, he the two were working together and something happened. I can't remember what it was. There was a lot of strife that had arisen. And so now there needed to be some reconciliation. And my fellow missionary, it was his duty, it became his duty to sit down in a meeting and uh, try to come to some understanding between these two men. And Brother Lorne did not enjoy that at all. He did not enjoy that kind of conflict. And he said, furthermore, he said to me, that this other man, he said, you know what? I kind of enjoy this type of thing. Huh. Really? You enjoy this kind of thing? No. That is not a characteristic of wisdom from above. The wisdom from above is peaceable. It seeks to live in peace as much as possible. Realizing that peace between the two kingdoms is not possible. It is peaceable. That means it's not a competitive spirit, but a team spirit. And then he says, after peaceable, he uses the word gentle. That's referring to courteous, considerate, seemly, fair or equitable, and yielding. Now, harshness, criticalness, passing strong judgments are opposites of gentle. To be loud, shrill, and piercing are not characteristics of heavenly wisdom, though it can speak loudly to us, that heavenly wisdom, through us, and it may pierce the heart, but not by human effort, but rather by God's Spirit. James also had written another very good point. And, and, and he says it in, in ways that, is just really good for us to remember. And this is what he says. The wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Think of that. So we face situations that are displeasing to us or disappointing or whatever the case may be. 
Just remember that, okay, now how should I respond to this? One thing that we can be assured is that the wrath of man doesn't accomplish God's work. Actually, it hinders it a great deal. Well, now he says there's another character. It's easy to be entreated. That means to be reasonable, yielding, submissive. The wisdom from above makes a person easy to get along with. This point is significant because we often think that since we know better, we should be able to tell others what to do. To be easily entreated means we listen well. Again from James, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. Taken from chapter 1, verse 19. Now this is an amazing characteristic since it would seem the wise have a right to speak, to say, and to instruct. But he says easily to be entreated. Hmm. We listen well. Oh, those of us who are older, at least, and maybe some of us who are younger, too. We can think of persons that we just wish that somehow they would be able to hear. Now, there may be some large struggle or some very great difficulty that a person is going through. And as we observe, it seems to us that the answer to these things is not all that complicated. I mean, if there were just some way that I could tell that person. We can think of things like that. However, the more important thing for us to think about is, do I listen? Or has God been trying to Okay, I don't like to use that word, been trying. Yeah, okay, maybe it's right, maybe it's not quite. But has God been saying things, and I just didn't get it? Are there things like that? I wonder what God would say. Or, I wonder what my brothers and sisters would say. Or, I wonder what my family would say. He just don't get it. The wisdom that is from above is easily to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits. Not a hint of mercy or a pinch of it, but full of it. Mercy feels for the other person. Not just a feeling of compassion, but a compassion that leads to action like Brother Jake was talking about here tonight. This good, good Samaritan. He had a feeling for this man laying in the ditch. And that compassion led to action, to fruit. And then we find next, without partiality. Partiality and favoritism of people is forbidden in chapter 2 of James. We are to be without respect of persons, to be without favoritism, but to, res but to have respect for every person. Every person is worthy of respect because he is made in the image of God. However, the word of partiality, the word partiality may be referring to more. And that is that we be unwavering, undivided in heart, having full commitment 
And again, the Amplified reads it this way. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and unfeigned, free from doubts, wavering and insincerity. And then he goes on to say, without hypocrisy, no pretense, genuine, real, honest, marked by integrity. Hypocrisy is only a form. It's an outer shell. It is so empty. So empty. And tonight we're sitting here in church. And I'm asking you the question, what a person sees on the outside I'm not just talking about our appearance, although I'm including that, but by the way that we act, the way that we live. Is it just a shell? Or what is on the outside, is that really what is on the inside? The wisdom from above is real. It's not just an attempt to look good to others, but it is what it is. There is a tremendous push within us to try to make things look good. And when we ha make a mistake or when we fail, or when there's something that comes up and, and we it's obvious that we have failed and other people can see it, there is such a tendency for us to somehow dress this up so at least we look a little better. Oh, but there's such a desire to look good in relation to other people. But the wisdom from above is without hypocrisy. It is what it is. And lastly, he gives us then the fruit of peace. We usually think of seeds being planted, but it says fruit. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. The fruit of wisdom from above has a way of multiplying and increasing and ends up with a harvest. What a privilege it is then, to be a channel of wisdom from above, to be a channel of righteousness that increases itself, a ripple effect that has eternal value. What a great blessing it is to be the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears of Jesus Christ. What a great blessing it is to be made in his image. Ah, that's easy to say. But we look back and we see our weaknesses and the problems that we have. We see the ongoing mistakes that we make. And then there's a whisper that comes into our ears and says, you are a failure. You are a failure. You're, you're, you, just, you just fail. You don't make the grade. Listen carefully. No person is a failure regardless of how many mistakes have been made, how many wrong things have been done. No person is a failure Till he turns his back on God. Now that is failure. And so I leave this with you. As a word of encouragement. That despite. Our needs. 
there's still hope. Let's bow our heads to pray.